Welcome to Shine Online with Ellie Swift. I'm your host, marketing and mindset coach, Ellie Swift, here to help you connect with your clients, create life-changing results in your online business, and shine neon bright online. I built a multi-six-figure business in under two years and, more importantly, have supported my clients to get amazing results. My clients have generated five- and six-figure launches, tripled their income, and completely transformed their lives using my signature framework, the Swift Marketing Method. In this podcast, I take you a layer deeper into my business, my life, and my mind. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of Shine Online with Ellie Swift. Today I have an incredible mindset conversation with a wonderful friend, client, and insanely experienced uh, therapist and coach. I'll give you her official bio in just a moment, Sam Jew. I was really excited to have Sam on the podcast and have a conversation with her all about self-worth. I really wanted to dive into many of the reasons why women experience such significant self-worth challenges and the ways in which it prohibits women from being able to do the things that they want to do in their lives and in their businesses and how it can often stop us from taking the huge leaps or risks or being able to build the businesses that we deeply desire. So I really love this conversation with Sam and I know that you will too. I'm just going to give you the official 411 on Sam because we do dive straight into everything. Sam Jew is a positive psychology life coach and psychotherapist with six years of university qualifications. She is a mama to a beautiful four-year-old, Amelie, and passionate advocate advocate for living an inspired life. With over 15 years experience supporting thousands of women from all walks of life, it's Sam's mission to support modern day women to experience fulfillment, self-acceptance, and unbridled joy. As the queen of permission, Sam supports women to give themselves the permission they are craving. Permission to stop people-pleasing, drowning under a mountain of pressure and guilt, saying Yes, when we want to say no, and permission to start experiencing more joy and rest, living from a place of courage, and being unapologetically, unabashedly, wholly you. If you're feeling excited by any of what I've just shared, then stick around for this episode. I know you're going to love Sam. The point that I really want to start with is like, we're going to be talking so much about worthiness today, but I want to ask you first and foremost, like what actually is worthiness? Because I've heard it described in a multitude of different ways. And I think that really defining it and then working out how would you know if you have high or low self-worth? Can you speak to that to kick us off? So I would say that worthiness is having a deep sense of knowing that you are enough, that you're important, that you matter, and essentially that you were born worthy. 
Like it's not like we ask a baby to start performing certain tasks to be loved. They're just born lovable. And so I think worthiness is just that, knowing that you're enough and that it's not dependent on any external measures like relationships or business goals or financial goals. And so where do we go wrong? They say it's like 50% nature, 50% nurture. Like I think some of us just are born more self-critical and born having higher expectations of ourselves. But then we're also, I think that the way society is set up, we're kind of encouraged to measure ourselves against other people from a really young age. And so that can become a bit of a pattern, you know, like if you're a high achieving person and your parents start to pay a lot of attention to your grades, then all of a sudden your sense of enoughness might be attached to, you know, getting those grades. And so you start to really attach your self-worth to that. So I know that you work predominantly with women, right? And when you're talking about self-worth in that way, I love that you've described it as so ultimately it's universal. So it's something that everyone everyone has worth. And yet for whatever reason, the barometer can decrease because of our life experiences. And so what are some of the themes that you see with your clients? Do you find that there are certain, I guess, self-worth themes that appear over and over again in the women that you work with? And why do you think it is that they're coming up? I see a lot of women who, if a launch doesn't go well in business or, and I know I I can relate to this too, like I have to be really careful not to do this myself, but they attach their self-worth to a launch or to a goal that they're working on. And so they stop seeing themselves as a whole person. They start to just see themselves as that one thing that they're trying to achieve. And what's really interesting is like we develop our core beliefs, our, the way that we see ourselves is all developed from zero to six. And so we might develop some low self-worth and then as long as life's going really, really well, it can appear that we've got pretty good self-worth, but it's when things go wrong in our lives, you know, like perhaps we have a really critical boss or yeah, our launch doesn't go well or a relationship ends, that can be when our low, our low self-worth really emerges. Do you have a way of identifying low self-worth in people? Obviously, you know, you are, you're a therapist and a coach and you've worked with so many women over the last like 15 years. Is there a way, and I'm sure it would come from your therapist training that you identify if someone's experiencing low self-worth? I feel like it's one of the most universal issues that women struggle with. So I often actually assume that there is going to be some self-worth stuff underneath what's going on. It's kind of like looking at what's going on underneath the surface level problems. And often it will start with them talking about some thoughts, you know, like, you know, I didn't do this well enough or I failed at this or some kind of negative critical thought. But then I I have a technique that I call the downward arrow technique where I look at, well, if that was true, what would that say about you? What would that mean about you? And it often downward arrows to I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. And then it's really powerful when that penny drops for them because they're like, oh, wow, like nearly everything we've been talking about comes down to that at the bottom. I love that you shared that so much. As you know, I 
um, in the way I coach, it's so much about mindset work. And what I find to be true is that so often that one thing that might be stopping us in terms of our mindset in business is related to like one specific worth thing, or, you know, I would call it like enoughness, which I'm sure you use that term too. Like that one thing that keeps coming up, keeps coming up, keeps coming up. And it's great that you mentioned um, that zero to six years being those formative years where it develops, because it's so fascinating that so much of our worth stuff being developed in those formative years is hidden under like veils of life stuff that we don't even uncover unless we dig deep enough. Yeah, definitely. And like for me, I was in quite an unhealthy relationship in my 20s and I think I just had such low self-worth that I didn't really believe I deserved anymore and it was actually going through that really tough breakup and going to see a therapist that I realised that, you know, I thought I was just a nice person and that's why I was staying in this unhealthy relationship but it was actually because at a deeper level I didn't feel like I was enough or that I, you know, could deserve better in a relationship. So what's the power then of connecting to really identifying like where you're at in in terms of self-worth? So say for anyone that's listening to this, who is like, I don't really know what my self-worth is, is like, oh, actually let's go back a step. Is it something where will someone say I have low self-worth? Does someone know that to be true? Or is it more that that's something that's uncovered through a real world event, like you just said. So for example, for you, it was very much that you were in that unhealthy relationship and that led to understanding that worth was the thing uh, that you, you needed to to build. Yeah. What's the process like for for your clients? Yeah. So often they'll come to me saying, oh, I'm struggling with perfectionism or I'm struggling with procrastination or yeah I'm really anxious or I'm really unhappy in a relationship it's very rare that they'll say to me I don't feel good enough like that that's what the first thing that they would describe to me is a problem and then it's almost like that surface level problem is what brings them to the coaching process but then we look underneath and actually see what's really going on and then is that often a huge aha moment it is And what does the process look like from there in terms of being able to then turn things around? It's understanding how we've built our life around us to protect that sense of not being good enough. And then you've got to kind of break that all down. So, for example, perhaps a woman doesn't feel deep down like she's good enough. So she thinks she has this rule, well, if I'm perfect, then I am enough. And so she spends her whole life showing up perfectly and that's making her really anxious and stressed. And so we will go, well, actually that rule is there to protect the I'm not worthy. So let's smash that rule because it's not actually serving you. We want to act like you do believe that you are worthy. And so what I always say is if you did believe that you were worthy, if you thought and you knew within all of your heart and soul that I am enough, what would you choose to do today? How would you show up? So it's a a lot of smashing rules. You know, we all have different rules around us to protect us from that not worthy 
piece. And I guess I support women to get rid of those rules and then to actually act in ways that make them feel worthy. Because if you think about it, like say you are telling yourself that you're not good enough to start a business or to launch a course or something like that, when you believe that, you continue to act in a way that confirms it. Whereas if you act in a different way, you're going to start to believe something differently. What are the most common ones that you see from women in business? I know that you work with a lot of women in business and you identified some just now. So, you know, I'm not the person that's going to be able to build the business or I'm not the person that's going to be able to create the course. What are some other common ones that you hear? Just not enoughness. Like I don't know enough. I don't have enough money. Yeah. I'm not qualified enough. Like it's always something about not enough. And also I think, cause I also work a lot with mums in business. It's like, this worthiness comes out in that I don't matter. So they're trying to build a business, but they won't actually give themselves permission to, you know, have a day a week to work on their business. They're trying to be everything for everybody. Because I think that worthiness also is about feeling like you matter and that your needs and your hopes and dreams matter as well. What's the transformation like then? So someone comes through and they are coming at you with these things, which are prohibiting them from building their business. And I guess I'm asking this knowing that like the transformation can be massive because as you know, I believe mindset to be like 80 to 90% of the game oscillate between saying 80 or 90% on any (laughs) given day. It's so interesting how much that work or how much, um, yeah, how much that work work essentially let's call it that contributes to building the business scaling the business evolving the business and so what can that transformation then look like like what have you witnessed I have witnessed women um, who were too scared to show up on social media who you know especially because of COVID a lot of women I was supporting were forced to go online they didn't actually want to they didn't have the confidence and the self-worth to go online but they, when they worked on their self-worth, their visibility just skyrocketed and, yeah, their businesses have blossomed. A few of the mamas I supported actually quit their jobs last year and started their businesses. So I think it's also, it's not just self-worth, it's, you know, what is our relationship to ourselves like as a business owner? So, like, if I believe that no matter what happens, I'm going to be kind to myself, I'm going to look after myself, then I've got full permission to take risks and to go all in in my business. Where if I'm if I'm really self-critical and really hard on myself when things go wrong, then I don't feel safe to take risks. So what I see is a lot of women are much more willing to like dive into the deep end of their business, like do something that feels really uncomfortable because they know that they're going to be compassionate and caring to themselves because they they believe that they're worthy. I spoke to this in a podcast episode, one before last it will be when this is released around creating two different types of goals. And so essentially the differentiator between determining which type of goal to create for yourself was do I have self-trust or do I not? So if you aren't somebody who has that self-trust, choosing goals that are more realistic, rational, so that you can build that evidence to go, hey, I can achieve my goals. I'm somebody who creates goals and achieves them. Or if you're somebody who has built that self-trust and compassion, I love how you worded that, 
creating goals that are stretchier and might feel far more challenging. And you might have no idea how you're going to achieve those goals, but you're like, I can be compassionate towards myself regardless. And I know that by creating these bigger goals, I'm going to stretch further than I ever would have otherwise. So when I'm using that word self-trust there, how do you differentiate between these different words? So like self-trust, self-worth, confidence, can you talk us through those? Like, is it a thing where it's like, there's actually not that much difference or are there really key differences? Yeah. So I think they're all so interconnected that it is a bit tricky to differentiate them. And it's kind of like, if you work on one area, like working on your self-worth is definitely going to then amplify your self-trust. But I would say it starts with self-connection, which is that awareness, like actually knowing yourself, knowing how you're treating yourself, knowing what's going on. And then self-worth is that piece around I matter, I am enough. And self-trust is I listen to myself, you know, and I've got my back. You know, like you wouldn't, if if you think about it, when you, when you used to work in corporate, Ellie, like if you had a boss that was really like a bully and didn't support you and um, you wouldn't really feel safe to, you know, stretch yourself at work, you would just play small, right? Because you'd be like, oh, if I make a mistake, that boss is going to like, you know, be really hard on me. It's kind of the same in business. Like we've got to be like that loving, compassionate, um, approachable boss, not that like bully boss. Yes. And this is where the relationship with that inner critic becomes so huge because it's such an innate thing for us to want to protect ourselves that's what our inner critic's doing, right? Is it's just playing that protective role of let's stay small. I've got you. So how do we differentiate then between that inner critic and the voice of truth or whatever else it might be? You know, the one that's like, Hey girlfriend, like go after the thing. This is your calling. This is what you're meant to do. Like these are, these are your dreams. I know you just ran an incredible workshop, your dreams granted, How do you differentiate between those two voices in your head so that you can go after your dreams when your inner critic's constantly telling you to play small? Yeah, so look, the reality is that whatever voice you listen to is the one that's going to grow the most. So when we're wanting to change our neural pathways, we have to actually make a choice to do that. So yes, the inner critic will be there, but there's this other voice who basically, you know, is telling you that you really want to do something. And so you you need to choose to listen to that voice. You know, you might write things down from that voice and really change those neural pathways so that they're actually following that voice. And a very wise business coach, my lovely business coach, Ellie, I remember one thing you said to me that really helped was, you know, if you want to do it, like, trust that you want to do it for a reason like these dreams don't come to us you know without there's a reason why we've dreamed them up in the first place so I really try to focus on that side of my brain now but we we do need to learn to accept that the self-critical brain is always going to be there it's unrealistic I think sometimes to try and get rid of it because it is just trying to keep us safe so it's more just around accepting it like some of my clients love just going you know they have a name for it like thanks Sheila or thanks <laughs> thanks you know <laughs> um, some of them have swear words but like whatever it is they just say thank you and then kind of brush it aside and then they'll pay attention to what they choose to pay attention to 
I love the concept of thinking about your inner critic as your friend rather than foe. It changes the dynamic. Otherwise, it's like you're having this internal tug of war with yourself constantly where you're almost um, choosing not to love a part of yourself right? Because essentially your inner critic is one part of you. And so I love that because if you're naming it, it's like Liz Gilbert in Big Magic, she talks about, I think it's in Big Magic, she talks about how she treats her inner critic as like the child that sits in the back seat of the car. So she's like, you're with me. I've got you. I love you, but I'm in the driver's seat. Like, I'm steering this ship. I'm taking or steering this car rather. Like I'm taking us to the destination. I've got this. You can sit in the back seat. Please be quiet (laughs) because we're going there anyway. I love that example because I guess there's two kind of frames of thought when it comes to challenging like self-critical thoughts. We can either challenge them, you know, by like talking back to them. And yeah, like some of my clients like to get a bit nasty with them and that works for them. But then there are other people where that just doesn't work and they more need that acceptance and that kindness piece around like, you know, even just I sometimes just welcome my emotions in and just go like, yeah, you know, anxiety, you're welcome for today. And it's knowing yourself well enough to know which approach works better for you or making sure you've got a coach that can kind of work it out and support you to work it out. Is there a way of determining that? I feel like there's times when I want that tough love approach and then there's times when I want more of the compassionate approach. Is it just feeling comfortable identifying what your body's telling you you need in that moment? I think so. It's like, what do I need right now? And, yeah. and, but also knowing what works for you. Like I've had some women who just, um, their inner critic is just so strong, like that trying to challenge it, trying to push it away just didn't work. But just naming it, you know, having a funny name or a silly name or a loving name and just acknowledging it and going, oh, yeah, you're back today has, has been so much more supportive. So I think it's a bit of trial and error. Yeah, because then I guess you're in relationship with it. Yeah, and you're taking that observer stance rather than being really caught up in those thoughts being really close to you. Yes, and I guess you might, like any relationship, you might not always engage in the same way. It will be dependent on where you're at on any given day. So, for example, I might be having a conversation with Che where I show up in one specific way that day and another day I might be more fiery or whatever, um, which depends on so many different factors. And that leads so beautifully into, I guess it's the embodiment piece then of when you, well, actually, if we come back to it's self-connection, which is that first thing you said. So starting with connecting more deeply to yourself, understanding yourself, knowing how to love yourself first and foremost, because it's only from that place that you can really connect to your self-worth. So if somebody is listening to us talk and they're like, I don't know how to connect to that part of myself. I don't know how to hear that voice. I don't know how to speak to myself in a compassionate way. What would you recommend for somebody who is feeling like they need to learn to connect to themselves more deeply? I think journaling is a really beautiful way to start self-awareness and you don't even need to have journal prompts. You can just ask yourself, like, what do I need today? And, you know, write it down and have a conversation with yourself. Uh, meditation and visualizations are really powerful. But I think my favorite tool at the moment is doing the inner child work. So really like actually 
you know, finding a space for your inner child, giving them a name and just beginning to talk to them and pay attention to how they're feeling and what's coming up for them in the moment. It's a lot of practice, I think, self-awareness. A hundred percent. And then you're connecting to that zero to six-year-old and working out based on the subconscious mind that was created through that zero to six-year-old what she needs to or he needs to be able to to make those changes yeah and you're using your adult self as well so you've got your inner child who might be feeling really triggered by like a a challenging launch or a challenging time in your business but then you've got your adult self who's like hey it's okay like I know that we can get through this I know how to take care of you and it's like nurturing that relationship between the inner child and adult self that has been massive for some of my clients um, in their businesses they yeah when they're showing up in inner launch mode and they're finding it challenging or they're feeling a bit stressed in another area of their life they often go to the inner child work now so if you're someone who's in business and you have a lot on and you're not connecting to yourself in any way what do you see is other repercussions of that I think burnout because you're if you don't believe that you matter and that you're enough then one of the ways that can show up is that you think okay well I will be enough when I reach six figures or I will be enough when I reach seven figures so I'm going to do this this and this and then I'll feel enough but it's not actually none of those external things are going to make you feel better about yourself. So I do see a lot of burnout, a lot of, yeah, like just push themselves so hard and a lot of um, hiding in the background, procrastinating, avoiding, you know, like women who have been wanting to launch for years, but there's always something in the way. And it's actually a lot to do with their like imposter syndrome and low self-worth as well. I'm sure there's so many people listening who are like, tick, tick, tick. (laughs) And because we're not talking about concepts where it's like, this is only applicable to some women or some humans. We're talking about these concepts because they're relevant to, like you say, so many women. And can I just ask then, I I really want to ask a question about women specifically. And then I also want to ask a question about privilege. So why do you believe that this is something that is impacting women? I think that the world we live in has placed all these beauty standards, all these work standards, like we can have everything, but we also have to be everything. And it just means that people place the bar so high for themselves and they just never feel good enough. Even though, you know, I had this thought today, I was like, oh my gosh, my, the teenage Sam, like my year 12 self would be so proud of how far I am in my life. Like it was actually like a bit mind blowing to think about how she would feel about me where I am now. But so often I'll find myself in a space where I'm like, oh, I should be doing more or this isn't enough. You know, so it is really interesting, I think. We just live in this society where we're always trying to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and I think it can affect our self-worth. And we, from an evolutionary perspective as well, we tend to be the nurturers and the ones who are caring for everyone around us and often prioritising ourselves last. And so doing things like trying to build a business from that place, you're really setting yourself up for failure (laughs) in a big way because you're not starting at a baseline where you're able to prioritize yourself. Something that um, I see a lot is when 
women are, you know, starting businesses, my clients are starting businesses. It's like, how do I find the time to do this? And they're looking at it through that lens of my business is last on the priority list around running the house, looking after children, whatever else. And I get that that's a very real reality. And I'm also mindful that I'm talking as someone who doesn't have children. You do. So I think it's great that you can speak to this, but it's just fascinating that we instantly start the conversation of starting a business as, oh, but this is just going to be something that I have to do if I can find a moment or if I can find a window of time. Whereas actually, why is it that that shouldn't be a a significant priority for the family? Yeah, and I think that's a real trap as well. I've seen that impact on a lot of women's confidence because they say to themselves, oh, yeah, I'm going to start a business, but, oh, no, I'm not allowed to take any childcare. I'm not allowed to ask for any help. I've got to do all the housework first and then their business isn't doing what they hoped it would and they feel like they're failing but they haven't really given themselves that permission slip to actually prioritize their business and to you know give themselves a chance to to thrive in their business yes so final question um and you just shared the word permission and I want to talk about your program permission granted in just a moment because it's exceptional and it's just something that I think that if anyone's listening right now and has loved this conversation that I would really encourage you to go and find out more about it but just before I do because I think it's really useful whenever we're having these conversations now that we just give a voice to privilege in relation to self-worth. And I know that this is something that you're so mindful of as well. So can you just share, I guess the question I'm asking here is how do you differentiate between privilege and worth? I think about it as we are all worthy of, you know, the highest self-worth possible, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're granted the same level of privilege. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, well, I guess what I think is it comes back to that. If you imagine a baby that's just been born and they're being held in their mum's arms, it doesn't matter where they've been born, in what circumstances, they're all born worthy. They're all born lovable. And that's how I see worthiness. I just think that it is actually our birthright and it's not something we have to work towards or or earn. But in our, I guess, in the, the privileged, you know, Western society that I have grown up in, we have been trapped into thinking that we have to do all these things to, you know, be worthy, to prove ourselves as enough. Yes. Thank you. That wraps everything in a bow so beautifully in terms of a baby is born worthy and lovable and nothing needs to be proved. So can you share with us now a little bit more about your program, Permission Granted, and the women that you have supported through that program? Because you have... You know, you've been a therapist now for like 15 odd years and you've been a coach for multiple years and your knowledge base from the humans that you've worked with is just incredible. And I know that you've transformed so many lives through this program. So can you talk a little bit about what's included and and how you work with your women through that program? Thank you, Ellie. Yeah, I was thinking the other day, I've probably worked with someone from most circumstances like you know when you've been a social worker since the age of 21 you've kind of supported people through lots and lots of different challenges and yeah it's been a massive privilege but so what I have found is that individual work can be so supportive but 
we the biggest transformation actually happens when we are in circle when we are in group with other women and they're sharing what's on their hearts and we can see part of them in ourselves so i have created a beautiful 10-month sisterhood and coaching experience called permission granted and it is there to help you step into your truest essence with boundless courage and radical self-acceptance. So there's a, a big focus on self-worth and self-acceptance, but also a whole heap of imperfect action, you know, um, because a lot of the women I work with do struggle with procrastination as well. Yeah, and I'm so excited. Doors are currently open and we've already got some beautiful women returning from last round and we've got some lovely new women coming into the group too because I think the sisterhood and the community element is definitely um, the highlight for me. I just love the women that I support. So good. And I I know that, I, well, it's such a testament to you that you're getting women returning because they've experienced such incredible benefits. And maybe it's just worth speaking to some of those really briefly, like the kind of transformations that you see so that um, anyone listening can identify whether maybe it's it's right for them. So I would say a lot of the women have said, I'm a lot more compassionate with myself. I know myself a lot more. Like I had a really interesting testimonial where a young woman was saying, i I'm 33 and I realised that I didn't even know myself until I went through this experience. So it's getting to know yourself on a whole nother level and all the different areas of your life, not just who you are as a business owner. Some of the women were in really unhappy relationships. They left their relationships. People quit jobs, started businesses, you know, lots of tangible things. But I guess my passions, the unseen stuff that happens within you you know, like being being more self-compassionate and being more open and being more visible. Yeah, the inner transformation is is always where it's at, right? I, I mean, we we purchase programs, I know, with my clients. My clients are purchasing from me because they're wanting the six-figure transformation or whatever else. It's like, that's awesome. I delivered that. But what really makes me excited is when I hear you say, I made this decision today and I felt more empowered than I've ever felt in my entire life or, you know, it's that that is absolutely mind-blowing next level stuff because it's the kind of uh, change and transformation that's for life rather than just being for a season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's my favorite work to do in the world, I think. So good. Well, you're damn good at it. So (laughs) where can people find you and find out more about Permission Granted? Uh, so permission granted doesn't actually have a website, but you can go onto Instagram, uh, just Samantha, follow me under Samantha Jew. And you can also send me an email info at samanthajew.com.au. And yeah, everything in Instagram at the moment is connected to permission granted. So you can be able to learn more there. You got to be in the know to find out more about it. So good. So good. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here and just for sharing all these nuggets of wisdom with us. It's um, It's been such a privilege to have you. Oh, thank you, Ellie. I've loved being here. So much fun.